You are listening to episode number 79, No Dream is Too High, Life Lessons from Buzz Aldrin. Welcome to the LDS Divorce Coach Podcast. I take the sting out of divorce. This is your host, Emily Sanchez. Hello, people. How are you? I hope you are well. Today is one of those podcasts where there's going to be a lot of words of wisdom, especially because they're not coming from me. (laughs) Just kidding. But a little secret about me. Nerd alert. I love space. All right. I've always, always loved it. And I recently read Buzz Aldrin's book, No Dream is Too High, Life Lessons from a Man Who Walked on the Moon. And it is so packed full of life coaches tidbits, right? It's like the self-help of the ages packed into a few hundred pages. And I thought, why not share some of the things that he taught me in my podcast? So here you go. It's like, you know, those energy boost shots, the B12 shots or the wheat grass like drinks. They come in like a shot glass themselves. So this is the wheat grass shot of podcasts right here. So I hope that you can gain all the wonderful tidbits, feelings, and um, lessons that I have from reading his book. Now, look, you don't even have to read the book. You just have to listen in. So I'm just going to kind of go for it here and tell stories. So it's like boys and girls sit down and relax and listen. It is story time. The first life lesson, the sky is not the limit. There are footprints on the moon. That's cool. You know, we, he always said the phrase, the sky is the limit bugged him as a child. He remembered thinking about all of the advancements that had come his way since he was a little boy. You know, he talked about the Wright brothers plane. Then he talked about each progress within NASA and their space flights, the Gemini space flights and how he got to be part of that. He spoke of his doctoral work at MIT with space rendezvous. That was his thesis. And I'll talk more about that later, but he just saw things build upon build upon build and the impossible kept becoming possible throughout his lifetime and so he's he just said nowadays we can go much farther and dream much higher than the sky because there's those footprints on the moon right when you believe that all things are possible and you are willing to work hard to accomplish your goals you can achieve the next impossible dream Okay, that's number one. The sky's not the limit. Number two, keep your mind open to possibilities. Innovators and explorers like to ponder what might be possible, not what is expected. So he told the story of NASA preparing the lunar module to land on the moon, and they couldn't figure out how to make them lighter. They just were way too heavy. So there was an engineer named Hubert Davis, and he was the project manager. And he was really leading that effort to reduce the weight of what they called the LM-5. And after five versions of it, he didn't say, well, that's too bad. That's what the lander has to be. So deal with it. No, (laughs) it was the opposite. He figured out a way. 
And because of him, Apollo 11 took place. Because of him, Buzz got to be one of the astronauts to actually go to the moon instead of having to wait until someone could figure out that it could be lighter. So it's really cool to listen to the stories of all the men and women who went into that uh, space exploration and that they didn't take no for an answer and that they kept trying and they kept innovating. Another thing with that number two that I thought was interesting that I, I have to share is he was talking about how these innovators' personalities are really quirky and kind of weird. I mean, they were dreamers. Think about people like Steve Jobs and uh, the CEO of Amazon, Jeff Bezos. I think that's his name. They don't see things the usual way. And they're a little bit quirky in their personality, too. It's like Einstein, right? People kind of described him as a weirdo, but they went on to some of the greatest discoveries ever. And their dreaming minds, you know, they first had to create it in their minds, and then they would create it temporally. That makes me think of the scripture, you know, all things are created spiritually first, and then temporally they're created. There's a quote by Albert von Zent Geirgi, probably pronouncing that wrong, but he was the Hungarian Nobel Prize winning physiologist who discovered the benefits of vitamin C. He says, discovery lies in seeing what everyone sees, but thinking what no one else thought. So remember, unsuccessful people think about simply surviving. Innovators, the creators, the dreamers, they think way beyond surviving. And that is such a good thought. So number two, keep your mind open to possibilities. Number three, show me your friends and I will show you your future. It's a timeless truth that bad company corrupts good character. But if you walk with the wise, you will become more like them. And he told the story of being a fighter pilot in the Korean War and how he would fly, of course, with uh, his team, a bunch of his buddies, and they became close buddies. When you're in war together, you're all young, you're these fighter pilots. And they were up and they got closer to the Chinese line, you know, up by North Korea. And his buddies kind of left him behind. He was trying to find them and he was lagging behind. And all of a sudden there was a MiG, this jet, a Korean MiG. And he was like, oh shoot, like he was going to have to fire at him and he only had one clear shot to do it. Otherwise, he's, he's like without his buddies around to help, he was toast. Um, luckily, he was able to shoot it. Um, he's not sure of the fate of them, but it was the enemy MiG, and he, which is a faster jet, and that was part of the um, him being frantic about it. But the story of it is, <laughs> the moral of it is, never leave your buddies behind. <laughs> Time goes by. Life gets crazy, right? We all get caught up with the daily. We get busy. So it's easy to forget about the people who've played such an important role in our lives. So he really encouraged connection, connection with the people who know you, connection to the people who love you. Reach out, take time, write letters, send texts, make the phone call, keep in touch with your loved ones who care. Jim Rohn, who was one of the first kind of life coaches of the past generation, said, you are the average 
of the five people you spend the most time with. Hmm. So hopefully you're surrounded by some pretty uplifting people. Okay, so that was number three. Show me your friends and I will show you your future. Number four. Second comes right after first. So if you know anything about Buzz Aldrin, you know that he was the second man to walk on the moon. We all know that Neil Armstrong took the first steps on there. And it was interesting in reading the book that this used to bug him because he's such a competitive person. So it kind of bothered him. I mean, he totally gave props to Neil Armstrong and explained that he he was supposed to be the first man. He was the commander of the Eagle and definitely had all the qualifications and rightfully so deserved to be the first man on the moon but it kind of bothered him. His father even wanted U.S. Postal Service to say on the stamps, first men on the moon instead of the first man on the moon, which would kind of honor Neil Armstrong more. But he kind of let it get to him and people would tease him. Hey, second man on the moon, you're second. How does it feel to be number two? So one day though, his cousin totally called him out and basically said, get over it. Nobody cares that you were number two. And he just, whatever he said to him, he was like, I'm sorry to tell you this, but in Olympics, we don't hear about the silver and bronze medalists as much. And you've got to get over that, that, you know, you made a lot of contributions to even get there. So get over yourself. So that really played an important role for him, his cousin. And from that point on, he just focused on the fact that he got there. He focused on the fact that they wouldn't have gotten there without him and frankly wouldn't have gotten home without him either. He began to think of some of the first things he did do. So he had the first selfie on the moon when he got off and he grabbed the camera and turned around and so the earth is in the background and his his face is like the first selfie. And another hilarious thing he did was he was the first to urinate on the moon. (laughs) So he said, I took one small step for man and one giant leak for mankind. Oh my gosh, that made me crack up. And he just says, you know, all work is noble, whether it's first, second, or last. Man, I think about how many life coaches there are now in the business. A lot of members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints too are jumping on the life coach wagon. And if I look at that with my competitive edge, I could get discouraged or I could think, well, you know, I'm not first and I'm not in line to be first and I'm not, you know, all the things that you're not, but it's okay to be second or it's okay to be last as long as you're doing the best that you can in life. And and I love that. So remember, number four, second comes right after first. And so does eight, nine, 10, 22, 23. (laughs) You get my point. Uh, The fifth life lesson is write your own epitaph. So some people have their epitaphs written before that, you know, about them before they die. But what he's meaning here to do is to do your epitaph while you're still living. Do something that matters. Don't take no for an answer. Pursue your passion and push limits. He talked about aviation being his passion. You know, after the moon landing, He went through a really rough patch that he's been really honest about in his life. He got severely depressed. He turned to alcohol. 
He said, there have been times in my life when my best efforts simply weren't enough, when I really needed someone to come to my aid. In those incidents, despite being a macho fighter, pilot, and astronaut, I learned that asking for help was not a sign of weakness, but of true strength. So he had people in his family too, his, his own mother who had committed suicide. So he found help from the best doctors. I know that he turned to AA uh, so that he wasn't trapped by his past and he could move on. So he did know that, yes, you've got to take responsibility for your own actions, but when there's a time where you need help, it's not a weakness to ask for help, but a strength. And then he turned to his passion again, which was aviation and being involved with the space efforts to go to Mars. And he says, sometimes if you think too long about something you want or to do or some risk you want to take, you talk yourself out of it. He told of a story when he was in Washington and he wanted to go on Air Force One so badly. And so he was there and, you know, they knew who he was and he had flown on it many times before but he was not wanting to take no for an answer they said you know it's not available we can't do it and so they kept pressing they kept pressing they kept finding different people to talk to his assistant called this person that person and then finally he got a call hey you can get on air force one <laughs> through the side door and meet this person you know behind the capitol building whatever whatever and so he went out there and took a ride with Barack Obama. And I love that. It was a funny story about just, he just wanted to do it. it. There was really no rhyme or reason. So they didn't take no for an answer and they just pushed and they were able to do it. And this was his quote, can't, never could, no, never will. Success comes in cans. So true. So number five, write your own epitaph. Number six, maintain your spirit of adventure. I think this was my favorite chapter, reading about his adventurous spirit. Dude, this old man gets around. When he wrote the book, he was 86. So I believe he's 88 now. And he went down with explorers, you know, in those tiny air-sealed capsules that go so far down to the bottom of the surface of the ocean to explore the Titanic. And that, he said, was more claustrophobic and worse than the Eagle heading out to space and the lunar module on the way back. Um, another story he shared, because he's always going around the world, he loves scuba diving. And in fact, he was one of the pioneers in going scuba diving and using that as a spacewalking type practice. So he was the one that kind of figured that out to do for practice in, in space. But there's a funny story he told of going to the Galapagos Islands with his son, Andy. And they were going to go to a place where they had a guide named Ricardo. And there were all these whale sharks. And Ricardo was like, hey, I know you've probably seen video footage of crazy people who swim with these guys and touch them and hold on to them, but please don't do that. They are so big that if they even turned, they could, like, you could die in an instant. You don't know what they're going to do. We don't know their patterns. Even though they're relatively docile, you still don't know when they're going to open their mouths and eat all the shrimp or whatever they do. So his son turned to him and was like, Dad, that means you. 
So he's all, yeah, okay, okay, okay. So they went down there, and what did he do? He saw a whale shark coming up on top. And so he timed his trajectory to meet him and swim with him at the same speed. And Ricardo was down there like shouting and waving his arm and flashing some light, whatever they have down there with their signals. But Buzz obviously did not care. And he held on to the fin and rode along with that whale shark. So he obviously pushes limits, boundaries, and he is such an adventurer. And I loved reading that because it made me want to go out more and explore and have that adventurous spirit because that, it just makes life more vibrant, more worth living. So that was six, maintain your spirit of adventure. Number seven, failure is always an option. He was telling about how his first experiment on the moon was a failure. And he's like, how embarrassing, right? But what he had to do is he had to jump up onto the step of the lunar module from the surface of the moon, and he underestimated the gravitational pull there. So he missed it. He was short, like an inch. So he had to try again and give it a little more oomph the second time. And he just said he was a little bit embarrassed because the whole world was watching. It was being filmed, of course. But he's just like, when you make a mistake, you have to just have that attitude of no big deal. You move on. He says, have you ever seen an eagle react when a storm comes up? To escape the tumult, an eagle will purposefully fly higher until it is above the turbulence. For an eagle, storms, setbacks, or failures are simply opportunities to go to a higher level. Fear is the greatest enemy keeping you from getting where you want to go. Ooh, I loved that analogy. I didn't know that about the eagle. Maybe I did. I should know that about the eagle. But, and then the story in this chapter was hilarious. He had to give a speech at a fundraiser for raising money for animals in London. So it was an animal activist group. Okay, keep that in mind. And while he's giving the speech, he got wrapped up in the story of how the astronauts had to do the survival training in the deserts of Nevada. One thing that he did that he found that he could live off of was an iguana that he put around his neck and he would eat the claws of the iguana to give him enough nourishment. And he thought that was just the greatest idea because lizards can grow back, you know, certain appendages. (laughs) But he forgot kind of his audience at the point and man, he quickly saw their reaction and he's like, I bolted out of there so quick, but he says, you know, you can't make it a big deal. Don't make it a big deal. Your mistakes, yeah, you do it, you apologize, and you move on. So yes, failure is always an option. You may fail, but brush yourself off, get back up. Don't allow mistakes, rejection, disappointment to define you or get the final say. So that was number seven. Failure is always an option. Number eight, practice respect for all people. This is cool. He's got some wise words for my particular audience right here. So listen up. He says, you can tell a lot about another person you are considering as a business partner or a marriage partner simply by observing the way that person treats an individual who is serving them. When people are rude or inconsiderate or treat wait staff 
as inanimate robots that exist and function merely for their convenience, service, or pleasure, you can be sure those people will eventually treat your customers or you in a similar manner at some point. Ain't that some word of wisdom right there? Yes, I love that. So watch next time you're on the, on a date. See how they treat the waiter. Interesting. And then he talked about children. He talked about, you know, he speaks to children's groups all the time. And he's like, I always have time for questions. I get down on their level. I respect them immensely. So that's another indication. How does your significant other treat children? How does anybody, you know, treat children? That's a character sign right there. So number eight, practice respect for all people. Number nine, do what you believe is right, even when others choose otherwise. He says this is always worth it. It is just always worth it to do the right thing because then you're living in integrity. You're living in your authenticity. He told a story that when he was at West Point, so he went to West Point right after high school. He had a scholarship there. There was a strict honor code that, uh, you know, around test taking especially, and any assignment. He said that it was so strictly observed that the teacher could literally walk out of class and know that they wouldn't cheat. (laughs) It was so observed that they would even have tests on different days. So some of the cadets would be taking the test Monday and know all the test questions. And then the others would take it Tuesday But because they practice it so honestly, they were still doing that and trusting that they were observing that code. So one particular test happened and he saw one of his fellow cadets pull out a crib sheet, you know, with the answers to the test on it. And this particular student was captain of the football team, Mr. Popular, an asset to the school, you know, all those things. So he felt that he had an obligation to go and tell that he saw it. That was part of the honor code that each individual signed when they entered the school. So he did tell, and then it, because the crib sheets were lost, the evidence was kind of lost, they maneuvered it into him getting a little wrist slap um, because it was his word against the other guy's word. So even though, and then he had some flack by it, some of his other schoolmates found out that he was the, the rat. But he says for the majority of it, he was respected, that they knew that he was gonna be honest and live by that code. So it was worth it to him. So number nine, do what you believe is right, even when others choose otherwise. Number 10, which I love, trust your gut and your instruments. So it's important to not allow our emotions to get the better of us in difficult circumstances. He tells the famous story about how his plastic felt tip pen helped to operate and give power to the lunar module. So what happened was him and Neil were out gallivanting on the moon and they had to stick to the schedule and the schedule said, okay, go to sleep now. (laughs) So there wasn't... They didn't really know how they were going to do that. So he decided to go try to lay down on the floor in the lunar module. And he got in there and he noticed a lever completely out of place. Now the problem was 
is this was a circuit breaker that somehow was accidentally dislodged. So there was no power to it. That's kind of a huge deal. And so instead of there's no power, you can't get back to Earth. So if they didn't think of some sort of alternative of switching, being able to switch on that power, they were going to be stuck. So they still stuck to their schedule. So can you imagine going to sleep after finding that on the ground? Your circuit breaker is dislodged, completely broken. I don't, I don't know if I could go to sleep, but he did. And so he kept his composure and they were, they were trained fighter pilots. Like they, they knew how to manage those emotions. And so he slept on it and then he just started looking around and he thought, I've got to have something. And he found that plastic felt tip pen. He stuck it in as far as he could and voila, it worked. So that's a pretty awesome story that he even thought that he had it because it wasn't something that he was even kind of supposed to bring along. He just brought it. He says, fear and worry will only cloud your mind. Don't wait for someone to come rescue you. You have gifts and tools at your disposal to figure things out. Learn as much as you can along the way for this to come in handy. He constantly expressed how his doctoral thesis ended up serving their mission to the moon. So I spoke a little bit about it, but his thesis was on how two spacecraft can simultaneously move together at a certain trajectory and land together. Um, so there was a whole physics behind it and they, they named it rendezvous. And that's exactly what they had to do in order to land the, the lunar module on the Eagle on the moon. And so if you want to look it up, I'm, <laughs> I'm not scientific enough to know exactly all the details, but it was really cool. So he's just talking about learn as much as you can. You don't know what all this knowledge is going to eventually evoke for you right? He didn't know at the time that that would lead to something that had that they had to have. And so everything in our life, everything that we learn, anything that you can learn will benefit you and you can rely on. So he probably wouldn't have even been the astronaut chosen for the mission had it not been for his knowledge uh, on that topic. So he talks a lot about making your own decisions for yourself. You got to trust yourself. No excuses. Rely on yourself. So that was number 10. Trust your gut and your instruments. Number 11. Laugh a lot. This is key. This is key. I truly feel like this has to be part of life. Imagine a life without laughter. Man, that would be terrible. He tells a story of how he was invited on Al Jazeera. If you remember, Sasha Cohen had that funny show where he dressed up like I don't know, he put like Laker gear on and huge glasses and pretended like he was African-American. <laughs> and he had just a funny English accent of some sort of trying to, I don't know what, but it's so funny. I went up and looked it up on YouTube because Buzz thought it was for real. He had no idea that it was just a spoof. So he kept being asked like the stupidest questions about the moon and like if it really happened and 
if there was a city on the moon or whatever. But he finally figured out after the fact that it it was not real. And he laughed so hard. He's like, every time I think about it, I laugh. He, he made so many guest appearances on TV shows. There's a story of him too. This is relating to don't take yourself so seriously. But they had reserved seats at the 2012 Olympics. And he was there with his assistant and he's like man my foot hurts so bad and she was like oh is there something wrong with your shoe he's like no there's not something wrong with my shoe is there something in your shoe no there's not something in my shoe and he just kept going and kept going and finally after hours he looked in the shoe and he had stuffed a sock in there you know when you're packing your bag your suitcase sometimes you stuff your socks inside but he had done that and he felt so stupid but he and Christina laughed so loud they laughed for like half an hour so the point is you just can't take yourself in life too seriously we know serious things happen but laughter sure helps us to get through them sometimes so number 11 was laugh a lot number 12 is keep a young mindset at every age you know, this goes back to the adventure. I I personally feel myself getting older, but I still feel I still feel like I'm I'm young, right? But he said he sees a lot of people laying out at the beach, you know, getting their suntans, but very few are actually in the water. And he's like, "Not me. I like to get my feet wet." So, we're all going to die. There's no question about that. The real question is whether or not you have lived so, I mean, we could go on and on about keeping a young mindset at every age, but just he says you've got to know your limits. Yes, there's things that he can't physically do anymore, but he still has so much to give. Just like you, you have so much to give, and we have to have that bright but humble outlook like a child would, where things are exciting and they can be exciting. And then number 13 is help others go beyond where you have gone. You know, that's interesting that his last little tidbit is to help other people. There's something that happens inside us when we can just kind of lose our ego for a little bit and see how we can help others along the way. You know, I said this before, I'm kind of a competitive person. So sometimes I will admit, like when I see other life coaches and they're doing so much and they're having webinars and I can see it on social media and I'm like, wow. I should be doing webinars or, you know, or whatever. Like I get a little bit like, oh man, I'm, I'm not there. And I get, you know, that little jealous feeling again, it's the ego. And I have to remember it's advice from Gary Vee too, that this world is big enough for all of us. This world is big enough for all of us to be successful. And that as we cheer each other and we actually help each other and then with buzzes, actually help others go beyond where you have gone like his efforts are in people going to mars like he is not quitting he still feels like he has so much to give to help inspire people to get to mars he wants them to go beyond where he went so i really feel like that's uh, burying our egos a bit so that we can get there and um, i know that when i help others in my field I feel so much better, like particularly when it's in like my field. Does that make sense? I try to help others in general, but when it's in my field and I can see, hey, I'd like for someone to do that for me, so I'm going to help them, it really just feels extra great. 
And some of his final words were, look for the good and you will find it. Accept the bitter with the sweet and be happy in both. Truth is, the bitter may be better for us in the long run because we probably grow and learn more from the bitter things we've experienced in life than we do from the sweet things. Regardless, stay positive in your attitude and don't carry around a bunch of negative thoughts and feelings. They won't do you any good and they won't be of help to anyone else. Don't waste your time. We only have so much of it, yet we often don't realize that until it is too late. Don't fritter away your future by dwelling on some failure from the past. If you fall down, brush yourself off, get up, and keep looking forward. I love that. I hope that you enjoyed it. If you would like to read the full entire book, again, it's No Dream is Too High. Really, really fun to read and get to know him. He's such a character. And one final question I have for you guys today Just after reading this book, I thought about how exciting life is. But sometimes when I ask people the question, you know, what in your life gives you excitement? What in your life can you be excited for? They'll just be like, eh, I I don't really know. So the question for you guys tonight is, what could you be excited for? What could give you total excitement in your life? And when you change that to what, you know, from what is exciting in your life to what could give you excitement, then your brain starts looking for it. So go look for those exciting things and let me know what's exciting to you in your life and make it what you want. Okay, bye. Thank you so much for listening today. Come on over and visit me at coachemilysanchez.com. Don't forget to subscribe. And as always, make it a great day.